The following contains spoilers for recent Marvel productions. We do not claim to have knowledge of future spoilers, but will gladly take full credit if such come true. We will not address any leaks, but if our speculations align, it's purely coincidence. Welcome to Why Is with Ty and Dan, a Marvel podcast where we try to figure out just who and what is going on in this cinematic multiverse. My name is Tyler Borland on occasion, and with me always is Danny Vincent. <laughs> yeah, sometimes it's just Ty, and sometimes I'm just Dan, but that's right. I'm Danny Vincent, and this week we discuss the power of the bookends. That's right, we're talking about Agent Carter, season one, episodes five, six, seven, eight. <gasps> but first, Tyler has a correction for last week. Yes, so last week I lied to all of the listeners, to everyone, (laughs) Um, when I said this week we discussed a surprise cameo from Neil Patrick Harris's doppelganger. Which we um, never discussed. (laughs) Which we never discussed, even though we we discussed Boba Fett. So if you listened to last week for Boba Fett, you, you came to the right place. So basically... Neil Patrick Harris's doppelganger is just a sinister bad guy that I honestly don't remember what his function <laughs> was in the plot, but he was just a quote unquote bad guy. Wasn't he the guy who like uh, the Black Widow took out first? Isn't that who you're talking about? Or am I? Confusing? I think so. Yeah, I so think that was so. his purpose. I, was just yeah, to, like reveal the Black Widow. Being yes. There. But oh yeah yeah he yeah, is that was literally yeah. his only purpose so that was, that was his only purpose but he looked just like neil patrick harris uh yeah so so that's that's what that was and i'm sorry and i hope we can rebuild this trust between us um so yeah anyways danny <laughs> what are your general thoughts on the new agent carter okay so I thought that this was a really easy show to watch because of the solid writing and really good acting. Um, I voiced the same criticism for Daredevil season one in that even the side characters deliver good per- performances. I'm not necessarily uh, when we're away from Agent Carter and Jarvis and uh yeah, those two <laughs> when we're away from those. Yeah, I was like deletes when we're away from them. I don't mind being away from them. And it's like the ensemble really uh, brings the, the show together. And yeah, yeah. And that's that's pretty much what I've got. What I've got there. Um, this show is testimony to Feige's uh, guiding light over Marvel productions. So now just wait till Tyler binge watches Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. because it's going on Netflix, not Netflix, Disney Plus in a week. It can go on I will watch it as much as I'm going to watch you Iron watch, Fist. You should watch saying. only the Sousa episodes. Go on. I've Wikipedia. honestly thought about that. I've thought about that. <laughs> Just find out how Sousa's story ends. Yeah. Because, yeah, I've I've kind of... I've thought about it. All right. I think that this show is definitely too long. Uh, I think that spins its wheels a lot. And it kind of loses steam near the end. In particular, how the final episode... Kind of introduces this entire new element to the story that was not brought up before because we can now feature Dominic Cooper for a full episode because we can afford him now. That's That was the vibe I was getting uh, yeah. by the ending. Um, 
I think restructuring for fewer episodes would have made this work a little better, but I think it's still ultimately pretty breezy to watch because of the ensemble. And the plotline is still intriguing, even if it is a bit drawn out. But let's dig in. And before we dig on these new episodes, I wanted to talk about something we forgot about last week, which is that there was a Stan Lee cameo in the fourth episode. Mm-hmm. Which I thought was pretty cool because, you know, I thought I'd seen all the Marvel Stan Lee cameos because I've seen all the movies. Um, but this was like, and, I, and it's not like, uh, I always think about like, so there are Stan Lee cameos and then there are the ones before like the MCU. Uh, or even honestly, I'd say Stan Lee cameos became like an actual thing with Fantastic Four 2 and uh, Spider-Man 3. But before then, he would just like pop up in the background of a shot. But then, like, it became like an actual cameo, cameo where he like talks to the characters. Is it in? Is it in Spider Man Three when he, which is my favorite, um, Stan Lee cameo, when he says it's just a superhero is just a guy trying to make a yeah. difference? Yeah, yeah. Enough said. Yeah, enough I, said. Yeah, that I one. gotta say the first Stan Lee cameo and the last one. Okay. I want to be on the record here. I mentioned we talk about Endgame. I think the Endgame cameo for Stan Lee is so bad that it should have been cut from the film. I think the Captain Marvel one is a better send-off to Stan Lee. Because it's him on the bus practicing lines for his role in a movie as Stan Lee. I think it's a much yeah. better send-off to him than the one where he's DH'd and he yells Excelsior in Endgame. <laughs> Terrible Does cameo. Yeah. No, he says he says make love, not war. Does he? That's even worse. Yeah. Like, yeah, they should have said that. It was so like the confusing. The, Excel, the Excelsior line is from Age of Ultron uh, when he drinks from that cask from uh, Asgard. Got yep. you. Okay. Well, my point is the Endgame one should have been cut because I think the Captain Marvel one would be a great send off to him in live action. I think the best send off to him, of course, is in Spider Verse, where he sells Miles' suit. Uh, anyway, but this was nice to have it. It's like he talks to, I think, I think he talks to Jarvis on a bench. Yeah. Yeah. He's a, uh, yeah. Tyler's wearing a spider shirt right now. I'm wearing a, a light year shirt. The man, not the toy. The man, not the toy. Yeah. It's just Chris Evans's face on his shirt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's why I, I just walk around with a giant Chris Evans. <laughs> People are like, why are you? No, no, stop. Yeah. Don't, don't say anything. It's the man. Not the toy. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. But yeah, I thought this was a good cameo. Plus, it's just nice to have another one, you know? Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so these episodes. I think these four are probably consistently better, but they felt way more disjointed to me. Whereas the mm. first four really felt like they were telling one cohesive story. This one's like, they go to Russia. Uh, Peggy gets found out. Um, she Wiggum dies, and then the finale, which feels disconnected from it all. And I think a part of that is, is to me, I don't know why the villain is necessary. I don't know why when the villain is introduced in the Russia episode, it's not like outright said that he's the villain. It's instead kept to be a twist of the next episode. And I think maybe having that be there throughout would have made that work better. I also feel like the Black Widow stuff is pretty disconnected until the second to last episode, even though she's but- still in these. Yeah, the Black Widow stuff doesn't really come together until we get that um, connection with uh, with this doctor. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I will say I like the twist with the doctor. However, I think like 
I think everything, all of these criticisms that we just had, I think that they that would be fixed in this show if it was a like a six episode. Exactly. Show. Yeah. I don't know why we spent the whole episode in Russia. I mean, was it fun to see the Howling Commandos? Sure. Well, was it fun to see Dum Dum Dugan? Sure. I didn't really know these yeah. other guys. Uh, but like, I don't know why we spent a full hour there. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I I I did like that. I liked that episode, but it also left me with a lot more questions than answers. Yeah. Um, is more we didn't really get an answer on like Leviathan. Um, yeah, we, we just kind of got, it was like, Oh, well, Leviathan has this facility and then they go in guns, like all armored up and they've got weapons. And then they're like, the place is empty. And, uh, and it's, it's just kind of, it's, I mean, you know why it's empty is because they would have to get more people um there but it's i don't know it's it's it just left more more questions as opposed to let's send in like two or three people or just have the uh have the howling commandos go in on this like reconnaissance mission and to get more information rather than sending I, I think you need to send Car- Peggy there. there. I think he's, gotcha. I just don't think it needs to be a full hour. I think it could be like yeah. a half hour of an episode. Um, and then never half being the beginning of the next one. Yeah. Uh, because the thing is with me is that that half, I think that's when the tide really begins to change with them actually trusting Peggy mm-hmm. to like do stuff, which is why in the next episode, then when they find out that she's, been helping Howard, they're like actually upset about it because they've grown. They they finally started respecting her. They're like, we shouldn't have because you're a traitor, you know. Yep. So I get yeah. why like she has to go with them over there. The issue to me is just that we spend so long there, and the action isn't that great. The exposition could come way quicker, uh, and I don't really think the stuff with Dum Dum Dugan really uh, adds anything. To the stuff of Howard already doesn't already have in the thing, you know. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was, it was nice, fun. It was, but like, it was nice having Neil McDonough in Star you know, Public in there too. in there again. Yes, uh, it was it was nice having him back um, for an episode. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah i i feel I feel like if you would restructure this to be six episodes, I would be interested in like what like which plot lines would you would you thin out. Or like, what would you drop? Probably, uh, you know? I would probably drop a lot of the stuff with the two other um, SSR agents. Mm. Even some of the stuff with Shea Wiggum. Uh, like, for example, um, I can't even remember the name, but the whole side mission he has, I think in episode four, where he like goes to meet a German, uh, a, a Nazi who's about to be put to death. We didn't need yeah. that. Like, we didn't need, yeah. like, he could just, like, in that entire plot point in the end of the finale, he's just like, oh, this explains this and this and this. And it's like, okay, but, like, I had forgotten that character existed. So, like, who cares? Right. Well, uh, yeah, because, like, the, all the work that they had been doing to figure out who Leviathan is and, or who's been sabotaging their work, it all unfolds for them right there at the end. Yeah, you know, it's like it's this not is connected like, to this and to this because of yeah. what he stole, which we haven't set up at all on this. Exactly. So yeah. I, 
That's what I mean. Where it's like, I think the show is entertaining because of the characters. Yeah, yeah. More than anything else, because the plot and the plot's fine. It's just that it's obviously have some structural issues because it's being stretched out to eight episodes, and this is like the first time that I think mean, this could probably be a good movie. Obviously, I don't think there's an audience mm-hmm. for a movie that's just a spy thriller set in the MCU in the '40s. Although I do think it's clever how this kind of does bring in a super. And to me, like the bag, the Russian scientist is a supervillain. Like they say, it's hypnosis, but it's superpowers. Come on, like. It's totally super. It's that, there's no hypnosis. That's like, I don't know. I don't know. I, it feels very superpower hypnosis to me. Gotcha. Yeah. I the I I like I I actually liked the and it's the reason why that my favorite episode is the episode that it is. Uh, we'll talk about later. But um, I liked that it was someone using. Site like uh yeah psychology site yeah it was using more just like powers of like of the mind rather than than having these mis- this mystic force or ability well to me the thing was is like they kept trying to give into it was like the ring you know like it was the ring that he like he was his motions of the yeah. ring was it but then there'd be yeah. times where he's just talking to them and it would work you know yeah true yeah this is just like and i don't mind that it's just like a superpower like to me i'm like oh this is fun like this is bringing in some more pulpy stuff into this narrative besides just being a black widow there and howard stark's inventions Mm -hmm. so like i was fine with it i just thought uh again i don't know why that villain really needed to be a twist villain i think it would have been or i think we should have been introduced to him and then in that same episode be told yeah he's your bad guy you know yeah i think you introduce you introduce him in episode three and then at the end of episode three is when you get the twist. Yeah. Or maybe even when you see him the first time, you could even do something where you're like, you see the typewriter, you know what I mean? Like the typewriter mm, that's yeah, sending stuff. Yeah. Like it doesn't yeah, need to be revealed set, for the characters. It needs to just be revealed for the audience revealed for the audience. Or even like if you're paying, have it be one of those where like, if you're paying close enough attention, you'll pick up on it. Like yeah. a second time watching through, you can start to see those details. But maybe the first time through, you're you're not paying attention as close yeah. to it. I mean, they do reveal it fairly quickly. It's just that yeah. to me, I don't specifically. If you look at this as like a weekly show, I don't know why you wouldn't have them. You know, I would mm-hmm. say it in the episode he's introduced. Gotcha. Yeah, I would. I would uh, reduce. Most of episode two, I would actually combine episode two elements of it with episode three um, and not to make episode three better, but just for the sake of the, you know, the story of the story or whatever. Or I would combine parts of two with one, Um, but uh, with the pilot. I would uh, have to outright have like the scripts in front of me to be like, all right, well, how do I cut this? You know what I mean? Exactly. I I cannot remember the specifics. Yeah, uh, especially I, in those first four anymore. I would, like I go. would definitely say that there, there were a lot of scenes at the the Griffith. It, yes, the the, the woman's the women. I think home, they want to set up. They want to set up the girl who helps her out. Is the thing? Yeah, which uh, it it works out that way. I just think that we had a lot of it just felt like we were running in circles at that place. You know? I also feel like um I want to talk about this. I mentioned it just briefly before we recorded. I think the finale makes a mistake 
and pivoting so much on Dominic Cooper's performance as Howard Stark, uh, because I think he does a really great job with the uh, charisma, but mm-hmm. when he's being asked to carry these emotional scenes, it really is just Haley Atwell who's carrying those scenes entirely. Oh, are you you're talking like, about when he's in the plane? Yeah, entirely yeah. being held together by Haley Atwell. Yeah, uh, even when he Cooper- like breaks at the end. And he's like, I gotta save. Ca- I have to save Captain America. Like he should be like emotional, but it's still yeah. just like it's still flat. Yeah, he's just like, I'm gonna save him. I'm yeah. gonna do this. Yeah, I'm gonna save him. And it's kind of like, yeah, I, it's almost like they shot that. Like that was one of the very first things that they shot. And, and then and, they showed uh, it to him. Uh, like then, this scene is not going to work unless I act the. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and then they're like, "So uh, you gotta come in and do this." And then she's like, "Oh, yeah, definitely." Yeah. All right, uh, I, got you. I, got you. I thought, <laughs> yeah, I, I did, I did. Th- at first, I was kind of like, "Oh man, we're back at the same places where we were at the end of Captain America: First Avenger." However, I think that it's one; it's there to show us that the character is growing. You know. Uh, has grown um but two i i thought that was a really good place to it was like fighting her demons you know i thought it was really clever that's why i was that's what our intro this week before was i thought it was a really nice bookend so like yes uh and to me it kind of was as soon as it started i was like oh this is why they included the flashback sequence at the beginning of the show like Mm, yeah because like they really want you to see how they're replicating that imagery here but like Mm -hmm. twisting it uh and i was honestly Considering the state of 2015 Marvel TV, I was and honestly even like 2015 Marvel movies outside of Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, I was pretty impressed. It's yeah. right before, this came out right before Age of Ultron. Yeah, and even though I like Winter Soldier, I would never say I don't think this is ever aiming. The show is aiming to be more like Joe Johnston's Captain America. You know, obviously this mm-hmm. isn't aiming to be like Winter Soldier at all, so you can't really compare to that. But like right. it does still fit that standard Marvel formula. That I feel like you get more with Thor two, and with Age of Ultron. Um, mm-hmm. So I think the idea that this ended with like, oh, we're actually going to have like this imagery and these sets kind of recreated to try to do the ending of Captain America one, but have it mean something different. I thought it was really nice, really clever, and I honestly, to me, that elevated the entire finale to me, which otherwise wasn't doing it much for me. More, mostly because that invention is just introduced at the end of the. Because episode, there is no foreshadowing. Howard never mentions that when he talks about his dangerous inventions beforehand. Yeah, and it's just like, yeah. okay, like I mean, this is bad, but like, it really is coming out of nowhere. Yeah, I mean, especially when you have eight episodes. Like, I, I felt like I felt like we could have, or we should have had more, more of the season, like scenes with the technology of like yeah. Peggy. Peggy finding the technologies and bringing them in. Um, yeah, I it would have given her her more to do. Not that she didn't have enough to do all already, you know, that of what she was doing in the show. But uh, but what I'm saying is that, like, it works. It would work in the framing of what's already existing. Um, and then we actually get accommodated with these technologies. So they're not just brought out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, or heck, if you when you're in Russia, you should find some evidence of that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, stuff like like there is no element of foreshadowing in this finale. It's yeah. Really, kind of 
makes the whole thing fall apart. Oh, yeah, very much like uh, Iron Man 2 when uh, they're at the at Tony Stark's court hearing and um, and they're showing them that like people have been testing out their own Iron Man-esque suits and, you know, like have yeah. somehow show that, you know, the the Russians were creating their trying to recreate Howard Stark's inventions and such. Uh, yeah. And yeah. also they kept referring to the Battle of Fennel and like I felt like we should have got like flashbacks. Yeah, or I agree. Something there. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. A hundred percent. Because they they it the way they talked about it at the at the beginning, like episodes one through four, the way they talked about it was that it was something we were supposed to remember from Captain America First Avenger. Yeah. And then and then we didn't really touch on it until like maybe seven or eight um, in uh, in the second half in the back half of the show. So. Uh, so, yeah, were you going to were you going to say something? Uh, something vaguely related. Uh, but I want to go back to the Russian episode and I want to say specifically another reason why I didn't like that episode. You know, it's not my least favorite is, um, you know, taking one of the best assets of your show and removing him for an episode outside of one scene. Not a really good idea. Because uh, Jarvis is barely in that episode when they go to Russia. Mm hmm. And it's yeah. kind of like, where is he? And then the next episode, he's back. You're like, yes, Jarvis is back. Good stuff. Uh, I also think, uh, you know, who's a really good actor in this show. I mentioned him last week. Shea Wiggum. Mm-hmm. Excellent performance in episode seven. Honestly, great performance oh, yeah. throughout the whole show. But like, episode seven, like, I'm like, oh, that's why they got him for this. Like, they really wanted to sell this stuff. Yeah. Uh, which uh, I just thought, like, yeah, like he's an actor I always like getting to see. And unlike some other actors who've popped up in the MCU that are character actors, and I always feel like they're wasted. <laughs> Michael Stuhlberg. Uh, he actually had a nice role here, even though mm-hmm. if, even if it was brief. Well, brief, but like it wasn't seven hour long episodes. So not that not that bad compared to some other characters. They oh, I didn't like how uh once Dooley was killed, um, I didn't like how the other guy just kind of hopped up there and was like, I'm taking over. This is what I'm doing. <laughs> and I'm kind of like, oh, what? And everyone was OK with it. Uh, and I was just kind of like, OK, because um, there's not like rank and also, yeah, you know, a governing body over this. Well, div- to like, be fair, when they go to rock, to be fair, but- when he goes off to talk to that German guy who we all forgot about. He's like, you're in charge when you're gone, you know, when I'm gone. So I think they might have just assumed off of that, that like he gets to move on up. True. Time's a crisis, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I wonder if that's not where we will get. Uh, I wonder if in season two we will get. Uh, what's his name from the one shot? Bradley Whitford. Yes. Yeah. I'm curious. Uh, I would say that if anything, the season has shown me is that that they'd have to do a lot in the next season to make the, the that one shot feel canon. Because to me, kind of the whole point of this show is to be like, oh, that one shot thing with the how they handled the sexism in the workplace. We're gonna make a whole season about that. 
Yeah. But at the end, like, yes, of course, sexism still exists, but Peggy actually has respect for coworkers. Uh, even the one who's kind of a jerk still respects her. He just doesn't want to give her credit, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I thought it was a nice little show. Uh, I'm trying to think of anything else to talk about with it. Uh, uh, I mean, eventually we'll talk about the post-credit scene. But I don't know. I thought it was a it's it's a good time. Jarvis is great. Haley Atwell's phenomenal. Um, it is a bit disjointed, of course, because it's an ABC show. <laughs> That's really the whole reason. Yeah. It's because it's an ABC show. Um, but no, it's a fun time. Um, and I'll I'll treat this canon. Why not? Feels like yeah. to me ultimately with the Black Widow stuff. I'm like, yeah, okay, like, yeah. I like I like having I like having the this like if you watch these in chronological order i like having this like setting up the introducing the red room yeah black widows this way i i do like that yeah it's a, it's got they still keep it mysterious which is very good i feel like. yeah very good decision. yep yeah and then it i don't it works really well with black it it strengthens black wood at like yeah. uh, natasha's character yeah, is, I would agree. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Um I was gonna say something and I don't remember what it was. It's probably about I, Howard Stark, your favorite character of all time. Ha, ha, you're funny. Um, you know, I do remember watching Captain America First Avenger, and I was like, I kinda wish that we got more of Dominic Cooper. Uh, I think he's good in this until the final episode when he's yeah. given way too much to carry. And yeah. you're expected to care about him so much, even though you've really not been with him this whole show. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I do kind of think I did have the thought when the bad guy is talking about all of his motivation. I'm like, oh, okay. So this is like a MCU Spider-Man movie where the bad guy has to have a beef Stark, even though the main character of this show is not a Stark. <laughs> you know, I just solved the finale's problem. You don't put, you only keep one plane in in the air, and you don't put Howard Stark in the cockpit. You put Jarvis. Yeah, I would agree. That's that's what you do. That and then you have her talk him down, talking about the story talk him about down his wife. And, yes, that was given to her earlier. Yeah, I'd agree. Yeah. That said, I okay, I think that would make this okay. We had this is actually you've opened up into a topic that always kind of comes up on our show, even though we never really uh, directly address it, is that I think that would make this a much better work, like, in and of itself. However, mm-hmm. this exists to be a prequel to Caps, uh, you know, an in-between pull of the MCU. And yeah. in that regard, I think having Howard be it makes more sense to give you closure from Captain America, the first Avenger. However, we just spent seven episodes watching Agent Carter, not Captain America, the first Avenger. So mm-hmm. the argument... I, I agree with you. I think that it would make it a better show, what you're saying. However, I get why they went with what they did. And I think if you did watch, just say, Captain America the First Avenger, then this episode on and of itself, uh, after you'd watch the previous seven, you know what I mean? Like, you watch the first, you know what I mean? Like, I think this yeah. episode would probably work really well. Um, but the issue is, is that Howard's not really in the show, which is probably a good decision because, as I said, I don't think Donna Cooper's that great an actor. <laughs> like he's fun. Yeah. But I don't think I've ever been impressed by him 
on an emotional level. I liked what they had with with him, with his charisma, and with uh, with the like the similarities that we can pull between Howard and Tony. Yeah. Um, I liked that, and just seeing the way that he interacted is it's like, yeah, no wonder Tony turned out the way he did um before before the uh before pepper because I was yeah. like even after the cave, he was still kind of Iron Man too he was running around getting drunk and everything else Iron did Man you two. know Iron Can't Man two well. yes <laughs> Iron, Man, Iron Man two uh Tony Stark was supposed to be like have a lot more scenes where he was drunk. And, yeah, and uh, yeah. didn't uh, Paramount be like, this is supposed to be for kids or something like that? You yeah, know? they did something like that, yeah. Uh, and uh, they retconned our true Tony Stark. Oh, you know what else they retconned? The best what? line in Iron Man 1, which is when uh, we hear next time, baby, from Terrence Howard. And then there isn't a next time for Terrence Howard. <laughs> <laughs> next time, baby. Never gets old. Tear runs down face. That's one of the. I, I'll stick by. That's one of the funniest jokes rewatching Iron Man one. Like everything else in the movie that's funny is legitimately just because the movie's good. But that one's like, it's like what a, what a line to throw in there considering the, how he got recast. <laughs> I look. I look back on like watching that film and like you can literally watch that and how poorly written. Uh. Rhodey is in that film is that like you can watch that film and nearly not need him uh I and think like I think Rhodey consistently is that type of character until about the until maybe after the Iron Man trilogy is done he starts popping up in Avengers movies in actual or Civil War in actual roles I would say maybe I think, Iron Man 3 does him well but I don't think Iron Man 2 really is he's that I, I, don't I think Iron Man 2 incorporates him better than what Iron Man 1 does. But well Iron Man 1 is of course such a sloppy movie. And I mean that with the kindest terms. It's just the production of it was notoriously sloppy. Uh and Terrence Howard, I believe is like the only person in the cast who actually tried to stick with the script. <laughs> so <laughs> but yeah, anyway, uh next time baby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um so uh, the score for this, I it's fine. The, the score was it was a roller coaster for me because it there were moments where it sounded like it was a variation of the Avengers theme, and I liked those moments because it it was it was like it was like do do and do and but we didn't get the like the full we didn't hit all the notes you know and it was. It was nice. It was a nice little tease. Um, and it was like familiar to the ears. I liked those moments. I when they take inspiration from the movie scores. What I didn't like is when they like the audio like in post or whatever they did, it's like on the same level decibels as what the actors are. And so the actors are like. They're like having this big, emo- supposed to be having this big emotional moment. And then all of a sudden, it, there's just this music that's like, wah, 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 wah. and it's like, okay, all right, this is soap opera. What are we doing? But yeah, hey, uh, I don't know. To me, the score was just, I didn't remember any of it, but I didn't hate it in the moment. Kind of like a quintessential yeah. Marvel score, you know? 
Yeah. It's hard I, for a Marvel I, score to be bad. It's just not memorable. It's just not great. <laughs> it just doesn't exist. Yeah. Post credits. Uh, that was all right. I have I have my doubts that season two will actually address it. Yeah, because I feel like I would have known if Toby Jones had a major role in season two by now. Maybe he does. Maybe maybe I just am going to be pleasantly surprised. Uh, but to me, it just feels like it's going to be a little cliffhanger that will never be resolved type of thing. You know, I felt like it wasn't necessarily to set up season two, but it was a nice um, it was a nice little tease out there for how the brain warping works for uh, Bucky for the that's winter fair. soldier. Program. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. yeah. Um okay. Let's do our wise awards. We're pretty early on them, but you know what? We don't need to talk about Boba Fett again. Cuz I haven't watched it still. I watched Silence of the Lambs and The Godfather. I've seen the first 10 minutes of Silence of the Lambs and I didn't shut see up, the rest sheep. of it. What? Did you just shut, did you shut s- up, sheep. What? <laughs> Silence of Lambs. Shut up, oh, sheep. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> Did you see a YouTube bootleg that they cut away? <laughs> they, they the phone fell in their lap every five minutes. I gotta say, there's a <laughs> moment at the end of Silence of Lambs, which I won't spoil for you because you haven't seen it. But we were shown it in film school. I remember being like told, like, watch the cross cutting in this scene. So I was like, the scene started, I was like, I remember seeing this. Yeah, it's pretty cool. They cross cut between these actions. And there's something that like mind blowing happens at the end of the scene that they did show in film school. And I totally forgot about it. I was like, oh, I literally just screamed while I was watching it. I was like, oh, that is good. Good. They did. There was a good reason to teach me that in film school. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I only watched watched the first 10 minutes because we were watching it in my high school psychology class. And then. That weekend, I got in a car accident and I was oh. in a coma. So, yeah. So, you, so yeah, Ty, Tyler never finished that movie. It just left on this big cliff. It's on Amazon here. Prime. Is you it? I finished it. Yeah, that's where I watched it. It's on Amazon Prime. So. Are there, does it have related sequels or are they all the like variations? Okay. So it does have technically sequels, but you shouldn't watch them because The Silence of the Lambs won Best Picture, Best Director, Best Actor, Best Actress, and Best Adapted Screenplay. And none of these other adaptations even got nominated for anything. <laughs> so uh, the strong Silence, feelings here. Silence of the Lambs is considered to be like one of the greatest like psychological thrills of all time. And none of the other Hannibal movies are on that level. With the exception, which I will say on this so that way so my friends don't come after me, Manhunter is supposed to be very good because it's a Michael Mann movie. It was the guy who made Heat. But it has mixed reviews. And of course, the Hannibal TV show is supposed to be excellent, which I've never watched with Matt Mickelson as Hamilton. Yeah. I say Hamilton, Hannibal. <laughs> Matt Mickelson as Hamilton. Yeah. <laughs> all right, all right. I'm gonna look. I'd up. watch it. I'd watch it. <laughs> all right. Just so curious. Uh, here's the critical response to these. Uh, it is a um, Science of Lambs has a 96% Rotten Tomatoes. The sequel Hannibal by Ridley Scott has 40% Rotten Tomatoes. Who? The sequel to that, which is a prequel, which is directed by Brett Ratner, <laughs> has Eek. a critical response of 68%. Good friend for doing better than the release guy. Was that Red Red Dragon? Yeah. Or 
And then yeah. there's a movie called Hannibal Rising by a director named Peter Weber, who made Grove of Pearl Earring, which is supposed to be, I think, decent. So the 60% Rotten Tomatoes. And then Manhunter, which is a Michael Mann film, which means it probably is worth watching regardless of critical reception. Uh, it does not look like... Oh, it came out before Rotten Tomatoes, and it doesn't. I don't think it has a Rotten Tomatoes score. I've heard good things about Manhunter, though, because, again, Michael Mann is one of those directors where people are like, you should check out all of his movies, even the ones that get bad reviews, because mm. he's just that type of guy. Have you seen a Michael Mann movie? If you have, it would have been like Heat or Ali or Collateral. Maybe The Insider as well. The Insider is very good. I have not seen any of those, but let me look. You should definitely watch Heat. I will never give it to you for the green room because it's three hours. But you know how you were giving it? Is it two ends or one end? Two ends, Michael Mann. Two ends. Yep. Okay. Um, Let me read you the cast. He was born in Chicago. The cast of Heat is Al Pacino, Robert De Niro, the two leads. Then Ashley Judd, Wes Study, John Voight, and Val Kilmer are in it. And this doesn't list it on, but Natalie Portman's also in it when she's like 10 or 12. Anyway, Heat, you have to watch it. I'm not going to make you watch it for anything, but you would love Heat. 100%. He directed Public Enemies, which I've only seen pieces of. And I Public, Enemies is, Public Enemies is what I've heard that is pretty rough. Um, yeah. Although, to be fair, I have also heard that the thing about Public Enemies that I think is kind of interesting is that it's still not a great movie, but apparently one of the reasons it was considered really bad at the time was it was one of those first movies that was totally shot on digital, and Michael Mann likes experimenting with digital photography in all of his films that use digital. Mm-hmm. And so Public Enemies really like did a lot of weird color stuff. Unfortunately, at the time, 35 millimeter print was still the common way to see the movie, and Pretty much everyone has said that the 35 millimeter prints look um, pretty bad for Public Enemies because the color grading is all off, and that's and people that was like a complaint. The movie was like it was too dark to see anything, or something like gotcha. that. Yeah, but it was like it's because you didn't watch it the right way. Like I've heard the Blu-ray makes it a lot more watchable. I haven't seen it though, and I have heard Public Enemies is one of the bad ones. I heard Black Hat has its fans though, which is the Chris Hemsworth Michael Mann movie, which is Michael Mann's last film he made. Although he is finally making another film. You also why you'd like Heat? If you're not aware of it, Heat is the main influence on The Dark Knight. Like, Christopher Nolan has said that when he was making The Dark Knight, he kind of was just making Heat, but with superheroes. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah. Heat. 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 Anyway. Uh, let's get to our awards. She's got a great hat. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Anyways, um, MVP. See, I'm going with Haley Atwell because, one, I knew you are going to pick who you pick. And I think he's worthy of mention. Uh, but yeah. she really does hold the whole show. To, and she's kind of like, in a way, I would say, she reminds her performance of this reminds me of Chadwick Boseman's in Black Panther in the sense that there is a lot of fun stuff going around her, but... Without her there and her performances, none of this would work. Yeah, yeah, agreed. And it's mo- it's one hundred percent the performance, and I'd say that with Bozeman and Black Panther as well. You know, they both do a really great job anchoring this all to both relatability and wanting to root for them. With with James Darcy, I I picked James Darcy because I I wanted my first thing was Haley Atwell, and then I was like, well, but I also want to talk about James James yeah. Darcy um, because. I don't think I think he's definitely we get comedic relief with Haley Atwell, 
but with James Darcy, uh, we we get there's just a like a lot more. He's definitely the like the sugar on top, you know. Yeah. The um, and what I really like is that it is it is easier to act as a lead, and then you just know that you have to rely on. I mean, you also have to rely on the other actors to have their their lines down and such. But as for like character building and stuff, you've just got to rely on yourself to make sure that you've got your character down and such. And James, as a side character, you are not side character, but I mean, he's a he's a co lead. Um, but at times, he's also a side character, and James Darcy knows the perfect moments of when he needs to step up. He needs to step forward on the stage and when he needs to step back and let Haley Atwell be the main focus of that scene. And I think that takes a lot of, a lot of knowledge, a lot of work and um, a lot of humility. And yeah. So James, ladies and gentlemen, James Darcy. Bring him Anyways, back. There's my Oscar Oscar speech for James Darcy. He's not favorite. Nominated. That is favorite episode. All right. So I put episode three. Uh, I'll be honest. I can't explain why. I just remember last time I was like, episode three is the best of these. And when I was watching these four, I was like, no, these are as good as that episode. Uh, I can't really explain why episode three is the best, but it is. Sorry. I think it's the it's the first episode. Well, episode two, we get Atwell and Darcy together. But three is when they really get going with with things. Yeah. Um, My favorite episode is episode seven. Um, It's where we that is uh, Dooley's sacrifice that he makes. Um, And we've also got uh, there's a lot of. I like how they keep uh, for a majority in this episode. They keep it it like the focus inside the the headquarters of uh, the SSR, and we're just contained in this room here. And uh, like a movie that does that really well is uh, it's an Ethan Hawke film, Assault on Precinct Thirteen. Um, they do it pretty decent with that one, and um, and I liked what they did with this one here and how it, they showed the doctor like tearing the team apart from the, from the inside. Um, could it have been executed better? Yes. But this, this one, I, I had the most fun with, um, although episode three is a close, is a close second. And then of course we've got to figure out what is our worst. Uh, I was looking at assault on thought was the worst episode. Sorry, that's what I was doing. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Uh, I think the worst was the pilot. It was just really rough to get through. That's all I had to really say is like I was like, oh my gosh, maybe this was a mistake. You know? <laughs> Mainly because yeah. Jarvis isn't in it much at all. So it's like, oh my like it's just very dry and it's it does start to feel all kind of the same until, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the it's the 2005 assault on precinct 13 is the one. Yeah, I've now the John Carpenter not, one. I figured. Yeah, I've not seen the 70s one. Um, I want to, but uh, it was made right before Halloween. It was John Carpenter's movie right before Halloween. 
Hey, hey. Uh, I thought that the worst episode was episode two. Um, because this the, was a two part premiere, so oh, ahead. yeah, true. So, so yeah, rough I beginning. I just, <laughs> if, if episode two felt like we were just spinning our wheels, um, even though Darcy and Atwell both started working together in this episode, they weren't really working together, and even though yeah, you can have that as conflict, which is what this episode tries to do. It didn't do it very well. Um, and it it just kind of felt like Darcy was there. Like, he was also spending time holding a light for product, for the production crew or, you know, a microphone um, when he's not on camera. Um, and it just feels like he's along for the ride and... Uh, Atwell's just kind of doing her own her own thing, and then Darcy pipes in every once in a while. And that's when episode three really hit. So what you're telling me is it's like Thor the Dark World, but not my cut. Because just Darcy keeps popping up and just saying dumb lines that have nothing to do with the episode. Yeah. Like yeah. Darcy. I I took I it's okay. It's my 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 cut of Thor the Dark World is when Thor lands on the lands for the first time on Earth and he's talking to Jane in the rain and the whole time like Darcy's just standing out in the rain like she doesn't have an umbrella or anything just getting soaked and like here's Thor and uh, Jane having this moment and instead of like we never cut back to see what Darcy's doing we never do and I think that we should I think it should just be like they have this Thor. ten minute long conversation, and it's just flashing back to Darcy's. Just like, okay, what the heck? Yeah, Thor the Darcy world. Please no. Um, <laughs> okay, <laughs> all right. So I, yeah, I think that that wraps up. Uh, usually at the end of TV uh, TV streaming shows, we do green room nominations. Um, Danny and I are holding. Back on that for a specific uh, reason this time around. Also, uh, we hadn't really talked about if we were we were going to with with a rewatch. Yeah, uh, I was going to say no because these are this isn't a this isn't a new show. Yeah. Uh, moreover, yeah. also we definitely have at least one green room coming up this month. Uh, yep. We might have two, depending on how we feel about a certain Cape Crusader movie that's already out by the time this episode is out. Uh, but we're definitely gonna have at least one other one this month, so we don't need to add more to our workload. <laughs> we <don't. laughs> you guys can wait till May for the next green room where we actually sign it to each other. We'll be okay. You'll you'll make it. I believe in you. What's in May? Well, Moon Knight will be done. Is my point. It's gotta be May. That's what we'll be covering this month. <laughs> I was really impressed. Early. Oh, so okay. So as you know, as the listeners should know too, I'm going to the El Cap to see Turning Red. Which will be what our green room will be about whenever we both watch it. Um, but I did see that apparently all showtimes that they'll kept on will be preceded by a dance party, <laughs> which means I will be trying to show up for five minutes before showtime because I do not want to be at the dance party. <laughs> now, but this said, uh, I do hope that the, the dance party is like Backstreet Boys and NSYNC. I hope it's not Disney songs because like that's what the, there's a movie set in the early 2000s and like she's into like 
That's why the trailers have it's gonna be my me in it because it's that's like what she's into like that type of music. Oh, uh, okay, awesome. Yeah, I finally I can connect with you know Pixar does really well with that connecting with their audience. Look, this movie's gonna mean like this movie takes place. She's like I don't know how old she's supposed to be, but it takes place in like 2002 and 2003, which is 100 percent that awkward childhood stage for me. So all any I hope it's full of pop culture references that only I will get because it will take me back to one of those years. I <laughs> I was in in second and third grade. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember I remember uh, wasn't me by Shaggy coming on uh like uh the like the radio and getting played and like here I was this like second and third grader and I'm like wasn't me and here the song's talking about a guy cheating on his girlfriend and getting caught and I had no idea that's what it was about. You know what song and, I always think yeah, about? It was it's great. Uh it's what? a couple years later, two thousand four, I just looked up when the album came out. <laughs> I was very <laughs> curious. Um, but whenever I think about childhood and like songs that are on the radio, I think about Kelly Clarkson's album Breakaway because <laughs> so many songs on that album were radio hits. Uh, Breakaway, Since You've Been Gone, Kind of Hazel Eyes. Oh, Since You've gosh. Been Gone is my go to uh, karaoke song. Uh, because of You, all four of those songs are on the same album. It's crazy. Because of You. I never straight too far from the sidewalk. And this independent was okay, the bonus yeah. track. What the heck? This was a very uh, stacked album. 2004 has got stingers. Oh, Danny, I think that we're done. We're going to start talking about Boba Fett if we don't All watch right. it. So next time, um, next week, we're going back to movies. Back to the movies. Yay! Uh, back we're gonna, to the movies. I don't know if you heard. To there's the popcorn. A, there's a Marvel movie coming out soon-ish, and it's not besides Morbius. I was like, "Is there?" Yeah, it's a it's a movie called Doc the Strange in the Multiverse of the Madness. Unfortunately, we have to watch. Well, not unfortunately. Maybe we'll, I, that sounds a little negative because I remember liking Doctor Strange when I saw it way back when, but I haven't seen it since theaters. Uh, we're gonna be rewatching Doctor Strange, the original. Uh, we'll yeah. have a guest. So be excited we for will. that. Uh, but yeah. And I don't know why I set that up like I was going to have some big reveal. Oh, Danny, we should. Don't you want to say like what Doctor Strange 2's sequel is? It's it's mom. Oh, Doctor Multiverse mom. of Madness. Yeah, Doctor Strange. Strange. You know, I think it's mom. really funny because Doctor Strange uh, mom. Awkward. But if you think about it, Doctor Strange is a two is about a mom because of Wanda. It is. She's it's about a mom who has a dream. Doctor Strange in the mall. That's right. It's like Fantastic Voyage. Doctor Strange is going to use anime technology to go inside Wanda's body to unlock some chakras. I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> <laughs> it's going I, to the quantum realm. It's the multiverse. It's bad. Uh, it's yeah. Uh, sure. I no. I I. Mm. Here I am once again. <laughs> I'm done. I'm the at the finale. <laughs> Moving on. We're leaving. Everyone have a <laughs> wait, good wait, time. Wait, 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 wait. All right, what? we will close up. But can I just? 
So I'm on the breakaway collection Wikipedia page. I swear it's the last thing we say. Are you uh, still talking about Kelly wait, Clarkson? Wait, 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 wait. It says at the top, where is your heart redirects here? For the song from Moulin Rouge, see, then hyperlink. The song from Moulin Rouge. So I'm like, that's the name of the song from Moulin Rouge. It's just the song from Moulin Rouge. And I clicked it. And no, the name of the song from Moulin Rouge is It's April Again. So why doesn't it just say, see, it's April Again? Why does it say the song from Moulin Rouge? It just wants you to keep clicking links. <gasps> oh, whatever. All right. See you next yep. time. We'll see you next time. Hey, um, you're probably wondering why I'm talking again and where Tyler went. Well, the day after recording this episode, we realized we forgot a very important part of it, uh, which I decided to add in. And that's that we forgot to thank our editor, Joe. Uh, thanks, Joe. Uh, Tyler was here with me. He'd thank you, too. Anyway, thank you for presumably editing the thank you into the episode, too. That's how we do it. Making extra work for you. Anyway, uh, we'll catch you next time at Dr. Strange. Thanks for listening to this episode of Why Is with Ty and Dan. We can be found on various podcasting platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Pandora, and on our website, whyiswithtydan.buzzsprout.com. You can also contact us by email at whyiswithtydan at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at whyiswithtyan1, because I'm number one. You can also follow me, Danny Vincent, on Letterboxd at blankments for reviews of movies, including those not in the MCU. So we'll see you next week. We'll catch you in the next one.